Hey, Britain. You're you are Britain. We're doing a podcast. Uh, okay, Britain. Is someone making you say that? Uh, is that Mike? Yes, this is Mike. Uh, Mike, I don't know if this is the right time, but I was wondering if you and I could actually have a conversation about episode two. Um, this is episode three. Yeah, well, I'd like to talk about episode two. I don't know if you remember, but you weren't there. I don't remember that. I mean, I don't remember it because, no, I wasn't there. So you're right. I was not there. You had all kinds of excuses. Yeah, I did. They weren't and, excuses. Uh, you know, I got to like do this thing for work and stuff. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, the podcast suffered because of it. It's not cool, man. Well, first, I'm flattered that the podcast suffered. Although that's hey, not Mike. Hey, Mike. Say. Go ahead. Sorry, sucker. I love that theme song, Mo Phillips. Thank you very much. Hey, welcome to episode three of Middling Delights. My name is Sean Hutchinson. I'm your host, and I'm accompanied by my host in training, Britton Taylor. Hey, Britton. Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, what do you think? We're working on it. We're working. Britton actually got to see the show notes this episode, so I'm excited about your new title, and we're working to get you up to a full-fledged host. I thought I thought we were both co-hosts. That's what I thought. No, I was the host. You were the co-host. Now I'm the host. You're the host in training. But let's not delay in moving on to episode three. We got an exciting episode today. I did notice there was a curse word in the cold open. And I just wanted to remind everybody that we we're going for a clean rating. So we're going to have to bleep that. But I did want to not to stifle your creativity Let's say everyone gets one swear today if they'd like, and we'll just bleep it out. So I'm going to tell you guys what I tell my kids. You know, when I first heard them say a swear word, make sure you're using it in the right context and make sure it's well-timed. Like, don't overdo it. Use it sparingly for more punch. And that seemed to have worked. Okay, so I also want to bring in Michael Kane. Michael Kane is our producer. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey, Sean, just make it a, a show note here. Britain did use a curse word in the open, so he's done. I only get one? Yeah, that's it. You're done. You did yours. Yeah, you did yours. And now Mike and Matt can have one. I would struggle to say one. Does our guest Susan get one? Well, now don't spoil the surprise. Well, I didn't say what her last name was. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I wanted to bring Mike in and welcome Mike and thank you. I'm sorry about that little ugliness at the top, but I asked Britain to speak with you and I hope that we're all on the same page. We're all a team, you know. Yeah, no, it's fine. But can I just be real for a minute? Yeah. I don't do well with like, you know, sort of curveballs or improv. 
So if someone has a problem with me, just let's take it offline. I know you're going to cut this out of the podcast. It's fine. But take it offline and let's have a conversation. Don't embarrass me in front of our audience member like that. Yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. I imagine she's very forgiving. Okay. So now is the point where you tell us about what's happening today. What's the topic? So the topic today is something that's fascinating to me. There's a place in Oregon called the Enchanted Forest. Next time I pay a visit up to your fine state, that is the first place I'm going to go. Usually it's one of your brew pubs up there near your neighborhood, Sean. But Mm -hmm. this is an amazing, magical place. Anybody has sort of an affinity for the wonders of childhood that develops a nostalgia over time. I think this place will resonate with them. And I'll let you kind of dig into it. But our guest today is incredibly talented woman. She's a musician. She's a composer. And she is a playwright. And she has a very special connection to this very special place. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And we also have something from our special correspondent, Matthew D. Hutchinson. Is that correct? Yes, I've been... Uh, oh, Matt, welcome. I'm sorry. I thought that was for me. <laughs> Absolutely, it was. Yeah, jump right in. I'll please. go ahead and confirm direct from the source. Yes, we have a special segment from a uh, less than special person, me. What? Oh, wow. You are, wow. I would say, very special. In fact, I'm going to change your title from special correspondent to very special correspondent. And I don't want to hear you talking about yourself. Well, like I that. didn't say that to hope that you would say that. Yeah. But, you know, I sort of did. No, you are the very special correspondent, Matt. I know. I'm definitely looking forward to that because Matt always brings it. He always says something really incredibly valuable to add. So looking forward yeah, to that. Yeah. And it's actually something musical this time. Wow. In the spirit of our guest. I don't want to give too much away. But we will get there soon. I came up with a nickname for us, the Boo Crew. I don't know if you guys like it. You're my booze, and we also kind of throw shade on each other. I don't know. Anybody? Is that supposed to be like Halloween themed or? Oh, yeah. Well, this is going to air in November, so it'll be just a little bit late, but it'll still be on people's minds. But I don't know. Just working on that. I was also working on a nickname. I thought Open Mike for Mike. I don't know. It's like he's hmm. on air producer. And also, because I want to encourage you, Mike, to be vulnerable, you know. I can do that. I don't want you to get closed up. Yeah. And you're very valuable to us. Thanks, guys. What's next? Let's keep going. Well, let me tell you, because last week we had a breakthrough with our guest, Sophia, and we had been referring to our audience member in the singular because we want to really focus on one person. You know, if we can just connect with one person out there, I think that's an acting adage, maybe. So she offered Chelsea as her audience member. And I thought we could each say who our audience member is. So if this is you out there, you know, know that we're speaking to you. Britton, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. I've decided that our listener, her name is Destiny. She lives in South Carolina. She's a waitress at a Waffle House. Mm -hmm. And she just happens to have a passion for strange intellectual pursuits and she stumbled upon this website doing a google search late at night one night and she is our lone devoted listener to the show welcome destiny thank you for being here mike your turn yeah so i'd like to introduce you guys to leslie leslie is a 30 year old woman she's a nurse practitioner And she lives in waltham massachusetts and she's very much interested in a lot of things in the sort of 
cosplay comic book space and she's just into fantasies and she loves just relaxing at home she works a very long schedule overnight she comes home in the morning feed her cat and she'll kind of unwind with podcasts and she's really a fan of this one welcome leslie do you know what her cat's name is puddles excellent matt would you like to go sure my listener to the podcast name is corbin he's from chattanooga tennessee and he is a locksmith and similar to mike's listener he uses the podcast to relax there's a lot of stress involved in picking locks whether it be to get people back in their home or a safe that they're hoping valuables will be inside of and people get Mm -hmm. disappointed if it doesn't go exactly how they want it's like a performance in a way so he forgets about all that and he just, you know, doesn't listen very closely to this podcast, but it's, oh. it's sort of like music in the background. We'll take it. It counts in the stats. Is Corbin like a nice locksmith or is he one of those like predatory locksmiths where you like get locked mm. out of your car? It's late at night and he comes over. And he's like, sure, I can help you, but that'll be, you know, $400. No, that's not Corbin. No, I think he got into it for the right reasons, but, you know, he's got to make a living. So he's competitively True. priced. Yeah. He's there to do a job. Well, let me tell you, my audience member is named Kelly, and they go by they, them pronouns. And Kelly is a bike mechanic from Boring, Oregon. And Kelly is privately a fiscal conservative. (laughs) It's complicated. Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. It's wonderful to have you. Matt, you will rejoin us a little later. And of course... You know, Mike is always with us. Feel free to jump in at any time, Mike. We are talking today about Enchanted Forest, and this is a place that has a great story. It's a family-run park in Oregon, and it's in Turner, Oregon, in fact, which is just outside of Salem. It was created by Roger Tofty. He worked at the Oregon State Highway Department as a draftsman and an artist, And we're going back to the 60s at this point of the story. I don't know if, Britton, are you a fan of like American history? I wonder if we should provide some historical context because this is the era when the freeways, expressways were put into place. And so there was a lot of opportunity there for businesses alongside of the expressways and also the opportunity for families to get out, get in the car and get to places much more conveniently than they had in the past. And so Roger, working at the Oregon State Highway Department, he, you know, was right there front and center, of course, and he was a father of four kids, and he decided that he was going to buy 20 acres right off the highway, I-5, in Oregon. It cost him $4,000, which he paid off in $50 monthly payments. And his thought was, you know, there wasn't much for kids to do. There wasn't much roadside attractions yet in the way of alongside the highway. And so he was going to, in his spare time, build the attractions and the features of the park. He did that using cement. He's an artist of some skill. And so he actually worked as a watch repairman in his spare time and built the park one cement bag at a time over seven years. And so Susan, our guest, is his daughter and the other children. They had these storybook figurines that now populate the park in their backyard as he was building them and staging them and crafting them. And of course, 
Locally, they thought he was crazy. They called the tract of land Idiot Hill, his co-workers and his neighbors. Turner was quite rural at the time. He thought it would take him three years, but it actually took a bit longer. It opened on August 8th, 1971 in Shannon Forest. That was 50 years ago. So um, the park is celebrating its 50th year anniversary this year. And the first section of the park was called Storybook Trail. And it features like well-known characters from nursery rhymes and children's books. You go in through a castle, you hear this great sort of medieval music. You crawl through Alice in Wonderland's rabbit hole. There's the old lady who lived in the shoe. There's a long slide that children can ride. And then you enter the wish castle through her mouth and slid out through her hair. So you can look at some of these pictures on our website, or we'll have links to the Enchanted Forest website so you can see what these original creations that still stand in the park looked like. They also had Toftyville Western Town. Britton, have you been to the park? I know you live in Oregon. Absolutely. It's pretty amazing. It's a place where families come back year after year, and it's family-run, so it's very unique. It's still independent. The haunted house, I know, freaked out my children. It's quite scary. They added that in 1974. There's also, for the kids, a comedy theater where our guest who we're going to talk to shortly, she writes and directs the plays every year and has been doing that for almost 50 years. There's an Ice Mountain bobsled roller coaster, which came along in the 80s, and the old Europe village with the Jolly Roger water light show was added in 1988. Now, I went there their last week of the season. It closes for the winter. And I have to tell you that the Jolly Roger water light show was Quite a popular attraction. People were hanging out there, eating their meal around lunchtime and watching the water with the music of Susan playing in the background. And what struck me was that this area, Turner, is very near to Silver Falls, which has some dramatic waterfalls. And so the backstory to the light show was that as they were excavating to build a performing stage, they realized, oh, it's got all these features that are like a waterfall, a natural backdrop. And so that's where they built this light show. And combined with the music is quite the experience. So we might even put up a little time-lapse video that I shot up on the site. Do we have a website? or? Well, technically, I still have a 30-day free trial. So what I think I'm going to do is... Just hope that people rush right away to the website and you should have at least a 48 hour window by the time this airs. So we're working on it. We're working on it. I know Mike's been working furiously at that. Mike, how's the website coming along? It's actually, um, I'm pivoting, uh, Sean. I sent Facebook an email about getting one of those uh, Facebook page for the the show. Oh, isn't Facebook kind of dying I, well, no, I mean, there's obviously they've taken a few uh, lumps lately, but I think it's a place for a positive message. I think there's no, nothing political about our show and I don't think any Russians are going to come try to, you know, hack our page. Well, make sure you finish our regular website. I wanted to jump in and just, Mike, is Facebook where you make all of your websites now? No, Britain, but if you sort of pay attention, you would know that most people don't go to websites anymore. They go to social media. So... If you want me to build a website for four people, I'll do that. But I'm telling you, I've done the research. I think Corbin probably loves to surf the web. Yeah. He sounds like a guy that, you know what? I don't think Corbin does. Uh, Leslie does. Leslie is more of the web surfer. Yeah. Thank you for being with us, Leslie. Okay. So 
I want to bring on our guest right now, Susan Vaslev. Are you there with us, Susan? Hi there. Welcome to the show. Hi, Susan. Hi. It's great to have you. That's Britton, my host in training that's with me. You know, we have a few questions for you, and Britton and I are going to share in the asking. But I wanted to say congratulations to you on the park reaching its 50th year anniversary. Oh, thank you so much. That was such a thrill to get there. <laughs> I know. It was a couple of rough years <laughs> leading up to it. It was. But I thought, you know, your dad made this park and you were a kid while it was being built. And then you ended up being part of running the park. And of course, he was an artist and you're an artist as well. And I just thought it's like a Cinderella story, except you never got to stop doing all the chores. Yeah. That's so true. (laughs) You, in fact, write the plays. I saw the play at the Comedy Theater, which was like a Cinderella in modern times. It was really fun. Yeah. And you've got a great group of folks there that work for you. And we'll get to talking about that. Great. But I was curious, what was it like growing up there being kind of an object of curiosity among everyone in what was still a pretty rural area in the early 70s and late 60s? Yeah, I was seven years old when dad started building, 14 years old when he opened up. And the kids in our family, we always believed in him. So we didn't question it. We thought it was fantastic. But we heard a lot of conversation around it. You know, back in those days, kids could pick up the bean and berry fields. We did that. We didn't have any money when we were growing up. And, you know, I would hear people talking about this guy who crashed his plane and started building all these things up in the hill. And, you know, it was like there were so many stories going around. Folklore. People just made up stories. Yeah, folklore. (laughs) That's it. All totally wrong. And, you know, my dad put up with a lot of teasing from his friends, from people he worked with and just kept going. Yeah, good for him. And I got to meet Roger. He's 91 and still out there doing repairs, right? He's probably out there repairing the park right now. Oh, yeah. He still does all the cement work or most of it. And yeah, he's still very actively involved every day. There's a Humpty Dumpty in the park and everyone knows the rhyme. But at the park, Humpty Dumpty actually did fall off the wall. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. What happened, and I don't even remember when this was. You probably have the dates. I don't know, at least 10 years ago, I think. Yeah, something like that. And there were two gentlemen (laughs) who went and even though there are signs saying, you know, stay on trail, etc. They climbed over the fence. They got on top of the wall for Humpty and their weight and everything crashed the whole thing down. Oh, my gosh. And that day was... Oh, it was so sad for us. I mean, a lot of us were crying because those were our childhood memories. Remember dad building it. There was no model for it. Well, of course, we know Humpty Dumpty could never be put back together again. (laughs) No. Wait, wait, what are you saying? He (laughs) did. He built it all over again from scratch. Wow. And that was really hard work. And he was older then, too. Wild. I'd love to jump in and ask about the comedy theater, the children's comedy theater. I would like to know how the stage play has kind of evolved over the years. Do you remember the first play? How has the content changed over the decades? So what happened initially, I was very active in the theater and music, and I asked my dad to build a stage. 
He did this at the same time he was doing The Haunted House. I don't remember if it opened the first or second year. And I had a group of people I knew that were actors. So we were all high school. And we started with kind of a talent show thing. And I was acting in it and directing. And we did that for about half a year and then realized that wasn't really satisfying for us. So we decided to go to uh, play and I believe our first one was Princess and the Pea. And I wrote that. And that was much more satisfying for us doing a regular show. And I was still acting in it at that point. But we had the formula down. I grew up on fractured fairy tales and Carol Burnett. So that highly influenced me. This year it was Cinderella. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were some really modern references to TikTok. And, you know, they play to a crowd of children. So they have to kind of go for the level of their audience, let's say. But it must be challenging, you know, to stay contemporary for young kids because they stay the same, but they also change year to year, your audience. Absolutely. So I'm always updating that show constantly, even throughout the season. And I'm always telling my actors to perform as though they are performing to college students, actually. Mm -hmm. So they're not playing down to children. Right. And we have the physical comedy for the kids. The story is easy to follow for the kids. It's very active. But there are a lot of references that, though not X-rated, of course, fly right over a very small child's head, but make it very entertaining for older audiences. That's the classic tradition of, you know, like the Muppets and the Simpsons. Like that's exactly. I how you do it because the kids want to be older than they are. Yeah. <laughs> they don't actually know what they're laughing at, but they know that it's something, I don't know, in the case of like some of the meme type jokes that were told. Oh, yeah. The kids, they still got it, even though they were pretty young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering so, if Britain's seen in these plays. It sounds like something Britain would really enjoy. Huh. You know, Britain's kids are involved in theater. His daughter, Finley, is quite the actor, actually. You should get her out there for a tryout, Britain. There we go. Yeah, it's been a while. I think she hasn't been in the park in five years or so. But yeah, maybe this could be a great summer job for her next year. She would be good at it, Susan. Look out for yeah. this one. Finley okay. Taylor. Keep an eye out for her. <laughs> Susan, I want to know a little bit more about the music at the park and yeah. how you got involved. So from the time I was very young, I was a pianist. I was touring by the age of 11. So I was touring the United States, Mexico, and I was thinking my whole life I was going to be a keyboard soloist, performer, giving concerts, because that is what I was doing. And so when dad opened up, I was 14. And of course, we needed music in the park, and I knew what we wanted. So I wrote that, you know, all the original stuff, or I think it was Castle. The mine. I think those might have been the only two things with music right when we opened. We've been passing around the tracks. So the gangs all had to listen to some of those. Great. <laughs> so, you know, I started way back then composing. And then I got into a lot of serious composing in college, along with performing. I was still performing, still thinking that was going to be my life. I went over after college to Paris and studied still thinking that was going to be my life. But my mom got cancer and couldn't run the business anymore. So I really needed to be there. And it was great for me that I had this creative outlet, because mm -hmm. I could still write music, the park kept expanding. So we needed more music. 
And I just kept composing for what we needed. But I came from a background of classical music, Renaissance music, and theater. So that kind of gave me that feel for it. I have a question I've been dying to ask someone, and I think you would be the right person. Is it pronounced Moog? <laughs> I believe it's Moog. <laughs> Moog, yeah. But I haven't I heard that, that term wrong. in a long time. I thought yeah. I detected some in some of your earlier work. Oh, it's all synthesizer. I can't remember if originally I did some on my harpsichord because I have a real harpsichord. But because I needed so many instruments and I wasn't hiring outside musicians, I was doing it all myself. I did everything on a keyboard. Originally, a Yamaha DX7. Later, I switched to Kurzweil. And that's the way it's all been done up until today. Actually, uh -huh. this is the year where I am adding a lot of music to the park and going to be hiring the musicians I know to actually perform it. So we will have a lot of new music out of the park. Oh, great. That are truly the real instruments. And, you know, I hope it doesn't change my sound too much because <laughs> I think a lot of people recognize that sound from composing all that on synthesizer. Yeah, it's great. Well, I hope we can hold on to the harpsichord. It's one of my favorite yeah, instruments. Yeah, yeah. I still have my harpsichord here in the gathering hall where our Irish band performs. Oh, yes, possibly Irish. I saw yep. them perform. You weren't with them that day, but some of the same cast members from <laughs> yeah. the Children's Theater that I had seen yeah. 20 minutes early, <laughs> then they ran over. <laughs> yeah, I had one of them filling in. How do you cast that? Do you do it every year or do people sort of no. carry forward with continuity? Yeah, for the band, it's totally different. The theater I cast every year, except for during COVID. But the band, I started out with five people. I was directing the theater, went up there one day. I thought they were being, you know, lazy. And they mm -hmm. said, oh, no, no, we're warming up with Irish songs. And I just come back from Ireland and mm -hmm. said, sing for me. They did. And I was like, oh, man, we've got to start an Irish band. And I think we start practicing immediately. A week later, we were performing in the park. And, you know, we just went really fast. And then immediately that first week, there were people wanting to buy a CD. The mm. first day we performed, we didn't even have a name. By the next day, we had a name. I love the name. Possibly Irish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what I did great. on that was I came in the day after our first day of performing and said, okay, here's every name I could think of last night. Everyone vote. We had five people in the band then. Everyone vote what you can live with, what you love, what you hate. And the only one we all loved was possibly Irish. So that was our name. And it gave us a lot of freedom to not be totally authentic all the time if that was what we chose yeah i noticed they yeah they mentioned that in the performance yeah <laughs> and you know you don't want to get locked into one thing you know you want to give yourself some room to roam a little bit yeah, I suppose. yeah. <laughs> susan you mentioned COVID, obviously a tough time for everyone but i imagine particularly tough for a place that relies on you know visitors to the park what has it been like trying to weather that storm well, and the pandemic is absolutely horrible. So we initially were set to open March 19, 2020. The week before we made the decision not to open, that's when Disney over in Asia, they shut down. So we knew something was coming. So we made the decision to close, but we thought it'd be a couple of weeks. Then, you know, they shut everything down and amusement parks 
were not allowed to open. And we presented all kinds of plans for single family tours, anything to keep us afloat. They were all denied. And so we were finally able to open June 26th, I believe, but we were only allowed 250 people, including employees. You know, that's next to nobody. We had started the season in really good shape, no debt. And we ended the season, no money. I mean, it was just really bad. And so we ended up opening up a GoFundMe, which the community supported us. I mean, it was just amazing. And we started to buy a brick program that bought in revenue. We auctioned off a lot of things. We increased our online store. So we were just hustling like nobody's business to find the money to make it through. And then in February, we had the ice storm. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Yeah. It was a brutal <laughs> stretch there. Oh, I wanted yeah. to circle back to some of the auction items because yeah. I know they included some of your dad's paintings. Maybe a lot of people don't know that he was a painter. Yeah, a fantastic painter. Really great at watercolor. So we started auctioning off memorabilia from the park, signs, my dad's paintings. And we really quickly realized that we didn't have hardly any of the original paintings. So we auctioned off a couple of those and went, oh, okay, stop that, or we will have no paintings mm -hmm. left. And so yeah. we started just auctioning off prints. Prints. There's like seascapes. Oh, yeah. So that's always been his thing, right? He's always been an artist. Yeah, he's always been yeah. a painter from the time he was a very young kid. And wonderful work. And he thought he might try his hand for the Saturday Morning Post. I saw one that looked very yep. much like a Rockwell. Oh, yeah. He's very influenced by Rockwell. Mm-hmm. So I do want to ask you a little bit more about the employees that you have, because it's really a place where you employ quite a number of like teenagers from the area, I noticed when I was there. How many folks are out there? Yeah, we hire, of course, all ages, but it's a perfect job for somebody in school because the time they are out of school, whether they're in college or high school, is the time that we are really busy. So that's normally a really good fit and works really well with their schedules. Yeah, that is a great service that you provide to the community I yeah. know, with, as a parent of teenagers. <laughs> they need something to do. Absolutely. <laughs> but you mentioned with your music that you put this album out in 2006 that's music from the park, mm -hmm. but you had been writing it across decades, I believe. How would you describe the genre of the music? What would you call it, I guess? Oh, boy, that is a tough one, because each piece was kind of written for the specific area. And there's music on there that also was not used at Enchanted Forest, you know, that I was hired like by Willamette University to write for a show, or, you know, different places. Oh, yeah, I remember that track. Yeah, yeah. But it all has a similar sound because it was performed on a synthesizer. It's like classical, but it's also like Giorgio Moroder or something. Exactly. It's, got that kind of, it's uh, a real mix yeah. because I'm taking my classical background, but being affected by what I'm writing for, of course. And I heard an anecdote about, so all amusement parks have to license music because, you know, you have to pay for it when you play it in public. And yeah. you got some trouble, yeah. you got some pushback from your ASCAP rep or something. Absolutely. So ASCAP did not believe the music was mine. They sent out first somebody from their Seattle office, and he had to look at all of my scores, where I recorded, just everything. And he believed me, 
you know, is pretty obvious. And so he turned in his report and then they sent out somebody from New York who didn't believe the report. And I asked them, you know, why is there this huge fuss over me? Because I didn't feel like this music I was writing was this incredible artistic contribution to the world. I didn't understand why there was this huge scrutiny on me. And they said, oh, you don't understand. You're the only amusement park in America that doesn't pay us. And <laughs> at the time, they told me they hadn't begun to crack down on malls or you know, anything like that. But they called our office not too long ago, maybe a year or two ago, somebody called. And they didn't even need to talk to me that time. I think the conversation was more down the line of who writes your music. They said, I do. I always have. And they must have had it in their notes or something because that was the end of that. Yeah. Direct them to the website where they can purchase it online. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Susan, what's the outlook for the park now? COVID seems to be, you know, will be with us, but it seems like people are venturing out more. Is the outlook positive for you guys moving forward? Well, it's definitely better than 2020. This last year, we're still not back to business as normal because we had staffing problems like everybody around is having staffing problems on all levels of our business. Luckily, we were able to, during all this, retain our key management people. So, we're good there. Normally, we have so many returning employees, but, you know, we were shut down so much, and then we were thinking we were reopening, and then the ice storm, we weren't reopening. We were thinking we were opening, and then we had threats. I mean, it was one thing after another. So, when we really opened again, we had to start from the ground up hiring training. And so, hopefully, next year will be better for that, mm -hmm. and we will slowly work back to normal. Well, I'll be back next year and I'm going to bring Britton and Yay. Matthew with me. Yeah. And Matthew's got some younger kids. So earlier in the show, I don't know if you heard Britton's swear word. Did you hear that, Susan? He <laughs> I did not. In... Oh. Well, we're going to bleep it out, but I offered to everyone else if they wanted to say a swear word, they could. So would you like to say a swear word? Or a oh, they can get uh, bleeped you... out? Yeah. <laughs> Any swear I think word. mine is always just... What the frickin' frick? <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, we'll leave that, that in. That doesn't need we'll bleeping. <laughs> no, that doesn't need bleeping. Yeah. We, everyone will know what you I love meant. it. Yeah. But speaking of Matthew, I wanted to bring in our very special correspondent, Matthew D. Hutchinson, because we have a little bit of a surprise for you planned today, Susan. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> hey, Susan. Yeah, it's Matt. Hey there. I'm new to your music, but a big fan immediately. I really oh, enjoyed listening you. to all the tracks. So, what you got for me in the way of a surprise? Well, <laughs> should I be scared? <laughs> yes, I would say Probably. yes, you should Probably. be. <laughs> um, I'm not a professional musician like you, but I love writing lyrics. And I know all these songs are instrumental, but we thought it might be fun to create like a, a vocal version to one Ooh. of your ride songs. It's kind nice. of like a tribute to one of the rides that people love a lot. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's the Big Timber Log Ride. I know that oh, it's yeah. a favorite. One. I love that one. The music is so great, too. So, I wanted to try this. I think Sean said, you can gong this. If you're not into it, you can gong <laughs> okay. me. The yes. code word <laughs> is waterfall. Just 
Waterfall. waterfall. I'll write that down. (laughs) I'm smiling right now. (laughs) (laughs) But why would you use it? I think you'll, yeah, I won't say anything else. Oh, I can't wait. Love. Love. Do you like to get real wet with your friends and family? When the weather's hot, do you like a place that's moist and watery? With thrills and friendly faces and refreshing cooling sprays, your body will get moistened in some very pleasant ways. Oh, Big Timber, you're the wettest ride in this enchanted land. Let's ride again. I live for Splash, she's very big and small. I won't be done till I've been moistened by them all. Are you feeling dry and hot and ready for a splash? Would you like a moist experience that's relatively fast? With a thrilling darkened hilltop that is also very wet. This will be the moistest, wettest ride that you have ridden yet. Oh, Big Timber, you're the wettest ride in this enchanted land. Let's ride again. I live for splashes very big and small. I won't be done till I've been moistened by them all. <laughs> still like to get real wet with your friends and family when the weather's hot do you like a place that's moist and watery with thrills and friendly faces and refreshing cooling sprays your body will get moistened in some very pleasant ways oh big tender you're the wettest ride in this enchanted land let's ride again i live for splashes very big and small i won't be done till i've been moistened by them all With a thrilling darkened hilltop that is also very wet This will be the moistest, wettest ride that you have ridden yet Oh Big Timber, you're the wettest ride in this enchanted land Let's ride again I live for splashes very big and small I won't be done till I've been moistened by them all And again, that's that's free for you and the park or whatever to use. Well, bravo! So. I'm I'm sure that's the next big TikTok hit. <laughs> that was so fun. Thank you. Great. Joining us today, Susan. We really enjoyed Thank having you. you on the program. I hope to come out there someday. I didn't get invited by Sean, but I would still. Well, look out. me up when you're Thank out you. here. <laughs> you got it. Sounds we'll great. So we just have a little bit of business here to finish up with the crew. Usually this is the time of the show where we talk about what's coming up next. Mike, would you like to give Destiny, Leslie, Corbin, and Kelly an idea of what's coming up on the next episode of Middling Delights? Um, it, let's just say it, and t- Sean, I'm not going to give oh, it away if that's okay. I mean, you want me to be sure. a little teasy with it or do you want me to just come out and say it? Do what you want to do. Follow your... Follow your heart. Your I star. love a tease. Yeah. Tease us. Okay, so once upon a time, we all hid under our desks at school because we thought the world was going to end at any moment. I remember this. And the Russians were out to get us. Sting wrote a song about it, made us all feel a little better for a minute because the Russians, you know, turns out they do love their children. 
mm-hmm. but we didn't think that in the 80s we didn't think the russians like children or anybody so really a really intense time intense time for america especially for a kid you know wondering what are these adults doing they're crazy and it took some really innovative and out of the box thinking about how to continue to you know progress as a nation but not have this mortal threat you know across the pond if you will mm-hmm. and how could we you know heal divisions and how could we make things better and it wasn't at the point of a gun or a bomb it was with a ball or balls wow why that wow and that's the story that we're going to get into our next episode of Midland Delights. And, uh, you know, Sean, you didn't put it on the rundown that I was supposed to tease this out, but I did. And hopefully I didn't screw it up. That was pretty improv. That is that is tantalizing. Yeah. Wow. We set the stage as the 80s. We set the backdrop as the Cold War. And I guess our guest will be a surprise, too, because I don't think we have anyone booked. Is that right? We don't. We have a lot of people we are considering, um, a lot of experts in their fields, a lot of people with firsthand experience, but we're going to do our due diligence and, you know, we have a very high bar and uh, stay tuned. Seems like you got some work to do. For sure. And I just want to say happy holidays to everyone as we will be taking a break from production, but we will be back in late January or early February 2022 with the second half of season one, three new shows. We made it to the end and Britain never said Captain Planet. Britain, you are now a full-fledged host. Well, I, oh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Really? Yeah. We're both oh. hosts. Nah, he's kidding. Okay. He's just kidding. He's messing with you. He is. <laughs> and Matt, I would love, I don't oh, know if man. you're prepared to do this a cappello, but would you sing us out of the episode? <laughs> you didn't get enough of it? <laughs> no, I've got to have more of, what's the title again? I'm sorry. Log Flume. Yeah, it's the Big Timber Log Ride. Oh, you know what? I forgot. I wanted to tell Susan this, but. I rode that ride and I was in the back of the log behind my family and I'm the guy that took his shirt off in the photographs. They give you a family photo at the end. So I have a nice family photo with my family riding the ride and me looking like a juvenile Sasquatch in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here we go, Matt. Take it away. Let's do it. Matt, would you like a little Moog or Moog? Yeah, maybe I could do like kind of the William Shatner spoken word version or something just to kind of get us out. Yeah, Whatever you like. Are you picking that up at all? Yeah. Do you like to get real wet with your friends and family? When the weather's hot, do you like a place that's moist and watery? With thrills and friendly faces and refreshing cooling sprays. Your body will get moistened in some very pleasant ways. Oh, Big Timber, you're the wettest ride in this enchanted land. Let's ride again. I live for splashes, very big and small. I won't be done till I've been moistened by them all. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>